Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 474 on Tuesday, the 17th of May, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be finding out exactly what one ruble can net you these days. We go back to the future, kind of, and we'll be wishing we were 124 scale. But first, we have a smidgen of follow-up. And thank you to Tony Williams for pointing out on our last special edition, uh, Alan went ran through the VED prices, but we didn't make it explicitly clear that that was only for year one. They change following that. Please do bear that in mind. And thank you, Tony, for pointing that out. And thank you for the way you did it. Much appreciated. Can I say one other thing, actually, about the Toyota Yaris Cross special edition? And that's that there is some weird bug with Google Podcasts on Android phones. And it's playing you the Genesis one. I have no idea why. The feed is correct. Google Podcasts on the web plays the correct one. On iOS plays the right one. I had to dig out my Android phone to test. The feed is right. I'm really sorry. I have no idea what Google Podcasts is playing at. Everywhere else, it's just fine. I'm sorry about that. But don't forget, you can obviously listen to it on motoringpodcast.com. Anyway, should we get on with this week's news? Let's go into the new news. Well, new news this week starts off with the new... How many times can I use the word news in a sentence? But the government is to invest £200 million in a zero-emission HGV fleet. Uh, the idea is that this will be the world's largest fleet of zero-emission heavy goods vehicles, and that they will be there in order to accelerate the decarbonization of road freight. This was announced at a speech at the Logistics UK conference by Transport Minister Trudy Harrison. It's okay, you're allowed your own trucks, it seems. And she was saying that this investment will be used to develop an extensive zero-emission road freight demonstrator program. The government is aiming to ensure that all new HGVs are zero emissions from 2035 onwards, mm-hmm. and that that date will apply to most vehicles weighing less than 26 tons to start with. Yep. The 200 million is split over three years to develop that fleet. I don't know whether that's a fresh 200 million or it is part of a the larger lump sum that has been announced for zero emissions and they have just cut that out and dedicated it to the uh, hgv fleet yeah Uh, by the way this isn't just straight out of nowhere this builds on a 20 million pound department for transport freight trial that they started last year and they started that with 20 daf lf electric trucks and they were working in nhs supply chain five local NHS trusts and a number of local authorities and councils. What you'll notice about all of those examples, of course, are that they are depot-based or point-to-point based rather than uh, general distribution. Worth bearing in mind that that's sort of one, one and a half use cases uh, covered by that. This 200 million is intended to increase that and increase and, and obviously try some of the other use cases as well, I would hope. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to Newcastle and sticking with sort of more environmentally friendly things. Uh, Newcastle has announced, or the transport chiefs have announced, that their clean air zone is being postponed. Again, because it was originally meant to come in in January 2021. This time uh, they've delayed it because businesses, because this is only, is the same as the Greater Manchester one, was only for commercial businesses involved. So it is 
coaches, buses, lorries, taxis, and vans. The taxis and vans would have been paying £12.50 a day if they did not meet the um, requirements for emissions. And the buses, coaches, and lorries would be paying £50 a day. Mm-hmm. So it's not private cars. No. Now, part of the problem is none of the funding that is supposed to be made available for businesses in which to help them get these zero emission vehicles has been made available to businesses. <laughs> so no, no. That is going to really quite hamper your programme. <laughs> In fact, not all of it has been made available to the council no. because they applied for help from central government and, well, they wanted to increase it to £23 million and that's been rejected and the minister's uh, original £16 million uh, offer will stand. That's one of the reasons. The, the other reason it was delayed, by the way, before was obviously COVID, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but also there was a great long court case about all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and... And what doesn't help with things is the same with the Greater Manchester one. Very difficult to get hold of new vehicles. Yes, yes. Well, that's that's part of it. Absolutely part of it. On the motorways, however, national highways are looking to change and make upgrades to, a, inverted commas, smart motorways. The intention is that they're going to get new safety tech by September of this year. So what they're going to be doing is adding 330 extra signs to what they're terming here, all lane running motorways, ALR motorways, so smart motorways. So they're going to add 330 extra signs. They're going to upgrade 100 safety cameras. They're going to add radar detection units as well so that it will ping if things are not are in a lane but not moving mm-hmm. basically to try and feed back and, and hasten that feedback loop of something has stopped and then be able to tell people that that lane is closed or that there's an issue or to change speeds uh, to drop the speed because there's an obstruction lots of things going on there mm-hmm. uh, one other thing just a reminder no extension to the smart waste motorway scheme is going to be allowed allowed until there have been five years of safety and economic data collected and available yep anything i've missed andrew nope should we move on yep i'll take us to stellantis now and alison jones who was in charge of stellantis's brands in the uk has been promoted and will become the senior vice president of circular economy whatever that means because I've I've read through many articles and I'm struggling to find what that's supposed to be about. Quite simple, Andrew. Okay. It's quite simple. Circular economy was one of the five core pillars of the Dare Forward 2030. Yes, but what does that mean? I have no idea. Exactly. That's and what I was I'm trying to find out. I'm a consultant that deals with strategies. I don't know whether, because it in, in a couple of articles I came across, it sort of hinted that it was about the recycling and reusing and that sort of side of things. But I don't know if it was that or whether it was more about getting people to pay subscriptions to on top of their car. No, no, it's not that bit. It's, it's more, it's about the recycling, 
you know, we've talked about it before. The, the, the example we always give is the Renault Refactory yeah. uh, flung. It's that kind of thing. So it's how can we use what is currently our waste in order to save money, in order to further our business. So it's it's quite a lot of, you know, without us being sarcastic sods, uh, it is quite a lot of clever stuff that's good for the environment. It should be good for the business as well. And, and that's across the whole of PSA. And we're talking about the Renault example. So the chances are that PSA are behind and that uh, and that they do need to catch up on their um, did i just refer to them as psa you did. stellantis are behind and that they need to catch up on their french part of their rivalry there yeah i would imagine but the uh, Vauxhall managing director paul wilcox will take over the reins of stellantis uk now that's not the only th- changes that are happening within stellantis there's things like their head of Uh, supply chain and purchasing has altered and is now Maxime Picard is the chief purchasing and supply chain officer replacing Michelle Wen who will pursue personal projects I think that means she's left the business yeah Uh, I also note this week that Stellantis have backtracked on the new terms and conditions they wanted to bring in on their suppliers which were frankly archaic and horrific if you were a supplier yeah it was Stellantis was going to win from the top, from the bottom, and out the middle. And funnily enough, they pushed too hard, and their suppliers, primarily in North America, I think, actually got together mm-hmm. and went, not a chance, and they've had to backtrack. But it was Good. it was insane that they thought they could get away with mm. that. So I mm-hmm. will add this to my I am worrying about the leadership of Stellantis list. Well, they did back. They did back away from it, so there's a plus. But yeah, well, you know what? Procurement never knowing the pleasant. But that was on top of their CEO going, "Hi, for our EV evolution, you dealers and you suppliers, you're paying for it." <laughs> yeah, I I think that there's quite a lot of sort of old school thought there, where really it's. Uh, I'm glad people are standing up to it and saying, "No, we're not going to be bullied into yeah, this." Absolutely, but that's that's good. Well done, automotive supply chain. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with that. Yep. Do you want to take us to Plymouth then? Uh, well, not really. No, it's not the greatest. It's just a long way away. <laughs> there's a story, and it's on the BBC News website, and there's a new speed camera has been put up. And before they've made it active, they've they've had it on for a test period. It was an eight-week test period. Wow. Yeah, and they've put in this, this speed camera to try to enforce a 20-mile-an-hour zone. And they've put it in in lieu of traffic calming. So residents were offered the choice between a speed camera or traffic calming scheme. As a result, in eight weeks, the camera caught more than 23,500 drivers going over the limit. That tells me... Now, there's lots of guff, frankly, in this in this article. Superintendent of Devon and Cornwall Police, uh, Adrian Leesk, uh, said the results were troubling and people were obviously ignoring the signs. Uh, but th- this tells me that the problem isn't just the drivers. This tells me that there is none of the signaling, that sort of subconscious signaling that tells you this is a place to slow down. If you look at the picture, though, it's a very wide street. That's the entrance to it. It says 20 zone on both sides. That means they don't have to have repeated speed limit signs all the way through. And it's painted on the road. It, and it's painted it, on massive. The road. You know, the massive 20 mile an hour in a circle. Right at the entrance, Andrew. But once you're after that, it's easy for you to set to an automatic 30 miles an hour. 
I'm not saying people should be speeding in 20 zones, by the way, just before anybody goes into that kind oh, of... Oh, yes. We know about whataboutery this week. But you <laughs> can't have one or the other. I complete. You know, I'm not saying people should be speeding through that, but there are so many visual and psychological clues to show you that you should be slowing down. Mm. And the traffic calming seems far more sensible than having the speed cap. Depends on the type, because some actually cause more accidents than others. You all hear me making jokes about tank traps. Yes, They're they catching are. the Russians. <laughs> um, in Corby here. But they do actually slow people down, and they do keep speeds down. Because otherwise, people would just, you know, people would just completely ignore the 20-mile-an-hour zone. Mm-hmm. I, I feel here there are not enough visual clues once you're in past the sort of as shown in the picture the 20 mile an hour zone signs put eight feet up in the air at the entrance to it that there probably needs to be more repetition of signs it would be interesting to see if they do have that down the down the length that they do have for um that they have set it up for the camera to be involved and they've set it up to be 20 mile an hour it would be interesting to know how often a reminder is is on there there is another thing to ask, which is that's a great high number, but divide that over over eight weeks. It's still quite a high number. But then you think, how many vehicles pass along the road? What's the actual traffic throughput? How important a road is this? Or isn't it a road? You yeah. know, and, and so or isn't it a major road? So there's there's a it's a high number, but also there's no context around it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm sorry, sorry to be difficult and actually ask for that kind of thing. Well, no, I think I think you're very valid to do so because we will now see more of this being thrown across our country because it's, as we know from the weekend, articles that came out and the police are going to adjust how they've they have worked out that they are underreporting the factor of speed in incidents, so they are now going to change that, so it will become even more of the focus or fetishization of road safety which is what it is already that they will then go oh well we need to put in these cameras look we could have caught twenty three and a half thousand people if we'd done this earlier we need to get in on that game because you know people are speeding and we all know we've all been around 20 mile an hour zones where you go well you're not doing 20 you're not doing 20 you're not doing 20 or you've discovered halfway through a 20 mile an hour zone that's a 20 mile an hour zone because there's no yeah yeah clue there's no there are no cues or repeats because it's a 20 mile an hour zone so you only need to have the signs at the entrance Mm -hmm. so there there does need to be context is required is it appropriate for the roads considering what the roads are can you change the traffic flow to lessen the demand of those roads as well Mm. things like that we can hope alan we can hope exactly Uh, just by the way i just want to make it completely clear that the reason i know the difference between just it being 20 miles an hour and a 20 mile an hour zone and where the signage is is because i was on a speed awareness course so you know uh, that's all the cards on the table there Mm -hmm. it was very useful and interesting genuinely but there we go right i'm going to take us away from speed and i'm going to slow us down uh, because unfortunately that's what's happening to toyota's production in japan Due to the lockdown in Shanghai, uh, Toyota will suspend some of their operations on more of their production lines in their factories in Japan this month uh, because they just cannot get the parts that they need. Toyota is one of the latest in a whole host of manufacturers that are saying, sorry, we're having to close down, whether it's through the 
uh, war in Ukraine and the invasion by Russia, or it is uh, COVID, or it is just uh, chip shortages. I'm so glad I'm not a car manufacturer at the moment. It's I mean, much as we just put the boot into Stellantis' purchasing team, on the other hand, it is an incredibly stressful time for anybody in purchasing and supply at the moment because it is so horrifically expensive if a factory line stops. Yeah. In normal times, people would be losing their jobs if that happened. Mm -hmm. These are exceptional times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hit their share prices as well by four and a half percent. Yeah, but that's just a game. I mean, if people are going to get bent out of shape about something that they nobody has any control over other than the Chinese government, then you're being quite silly, aren't you? Really? That's, I'm sorry. I've got to. I've got to read the last two paragraphs of this story. It says, however, during a virtual appearance at the FT Future of the Car 2022 conference on Tuesday, Tesla's boss Elon Musk said China's lockdown measures would not be a significant issue in the coming weeks. Tesla did not immediately respond to a request from the BBC for comment. Also, there was an article from uh, um, in The Guardian, I think, quoting said genius of the world who will save us all. He was praising the staff that stayed in the factory and worked till three in the morning. Oh. To yes, uh, to get them over to get them to this arbitrary figure they decided they needed to do at the end of quarter, which is ridiculous and insane that you are thanking people for working themselves to death. Just mind-boggling that that sort of thing still goes on and is praised. Just unbelievable. Yeah, totally wrong. I mean, very lucky. More likely to get to get an earful for for overdoing it than, than anything else. Yeah. Well, do you want to? We we talked about them briefly. Uh, before, but do you mm -hmm. want to take us to Renault properly now? Renault has sold its Russian assets to the Russian government, the company announced on Monday. Uh, so this is the first major nationalization of uh, Western companies' assets within uh, Russia since Moscow threatened to punish those leaving the country over the invasion of the Ukraine. Now, what's going to happen here? is that uh, Renault will transfer its entire stake in Renault Russia to the city of Moscow, as one does, vehicle factory number seven. Uh, and nearly 68% of carmaker Autovaz to NAMI, N-A-M-I, uh, which is described here as a government-backed science institute, which is quite interesting because a couple of Geneva shows ago, I happened to end up in conversation with the chief executive of Aurus, maker of the Aurus Senat, so the Russian state limousine, the one that looks remarkably similar to a Rolls Phantom. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize that's who I was speaking to to begin with. I just happened to be standing there poking at the configurator, and he came over and started chatting. And if I'd known, well, no, I wouldn't, because probably if I'd whipped out a voice recorder and said, can I interview you for the podcast? Then uh, he'd probably have declined. So he chatted away to me. And he was saying that, that actually NAMI is the sort of parent uh, of Aurus, and they're the one who's who've developed all the, the hybrid powertrain that goes underneath the limousine, uh, which has the chassis also developed for commercial and military use as well by the same organization. Mm -hmm. um so so just you know yes science institute in inverted commas uh really sort of military uh development institute 
sounds very much like the rearmification of a certain European country between wars and the way that they did it. It's like, we'll call this um, uh, uh, our commercial airlines. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yes. Moving on from that, everything's been approved, says Renault. There's a six-year option for the car maker to buy back its stake in AutoVaz, uh, who make, make Lada, obviously. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's it. If you wonder how well those canny French have made out of this particular deal, it seems that everything has been exchanged for a symbolic one ruble. Yes. One ruble at the current time, uh, the time of recording, and according to Siri, it comes in at about approximately one pence. So, yeah, I, I think they you know, keep the change, right? They'd already announced, hadn't they, that they were going to write down 2.2 billion euro because yeah. of what was happening to their Russian businesses. So this will just pile in on top of that anyway. By the way, it means for one penny, they have been bought out of their second biggest market. Yeah. That's quite bad. But they got all their people out. But they got all their people out. Yes. Which is good. Yes. Right, I'm going to take us to Shell now, and they have announced that they are targeting 100,000 public chargers in the UK by 2030. They are announcing this increased ambition, uh, ambitious target, sorry, uh, and of that, they want 11,000 to be rapid chargers as well. Mm -hmm. And this is across the UK to even out the access to public chargers that we already have, but also, on top of that, they will still be doing their private charging installations, which are like your home chargers or workplace charging. So they reckon if that continues at the pace they think it will, they should have installed in the region of 500,000 chargers across the UK by 2030. Wow. Which is quite a lot. It is. It is. Well, Shell are quite interesting because we don't, I don't know, don't tend to think of them as, as having chargers. And they do on, on Shell petrol stations, but they also own Ubertricity uh, and others. They started later than BP, and that's the one that grabbed our attention because that's who we used hmm. initially. But then Shell realized how things were going and, and have got in on it. I mean, they're talking yeah. about investing in the region of 25 billion in the UK energy infrastructure yeah. for, the, for the next decade. They have to diversify their portfolio, obviously. <laughs> yes, or from a business tend to point of view, at the moment, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I'm and we're not looking at the petrol price. Don't do that because we'll just all cry, uh, particularly if you run anything <sighs> diesel. Uh, no, well, I don't. Thankfully, <laughs> this this is interesting and maybe maybe helps the government with their proposal, their thoughts and prayers. Mm policy of well we'll be world leading charging infrastructure by 2030 i mean if only we had someone who could find out more about that yes some searching questions what of the government about yeah. charging infrastructure yeah i've no idea no idea at all not just charging infrastructure but also battery swapping as well yeah comes under the same in in the same area so so yes that that would be interesting maybe we'll talk about that in a little while maybe we will Mm -hmm. Do you want to um, put your woggle on and go to America? <laughs> Volks, Volkswagen are breaking the rules. Why? Because it should be to scout. <laughs> no, 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 no. It shouldn't because they've only just bought this brand. 
It's a brand. It's not. It's not a model name. It's a brand. Oh, okay. So they're allowed that. Yeah. It's like the Atlas. Is, is, is the only exception. Sorry, the, the pathetically lame joke there, by the way, is that if you've got an SUV and it's a Volkswagen, it should start with a T, uh, or, or, an, or an off-road thing uh, from Volkswagen should start with a T, and obviously Scout doesn't, and neither does Atlas, which is their biggest, it's basically an American SUV with the Volkswagen badge on. There we go. Sorry. Should we move on to the interesting bit, hopefully, which is a story? <laughs> yes. Meanwhile... Volkswagen is going to launch itself, uh, launch itself a new brand, uh, or, or bring back a brand which is called Scout, and they will be designing, uh, and Scout will be a new off-roader that will be designed and manufactured in the U.S. Now, if you if you're wondering why you're going revived it, what's a Volkswagen Scout? I've never heard of that. Uh, it's actually the it was it's actually been dormant since 1980 uh, and that's and the reason it wasn't ever a volkswagen was because it was the international scout or the international harvester scout if you give the full name it was a bit like a chevy blazer at the time it was a small off-roader well you could get long wheelbase ones too i think but mm. it was an it was an off-roader a, a sort of uh, a pickup truck and resulting suv uh well uv let's not have any sport in there that was that from from then so volkswagen is intending on doing similar and having the same platform used for both uh an suv type thing uh, and a pickup truck type thing for sale in in the u.s do you think that this is still a hangover from dieselgate and they need a brand that isn't associated by most of the people in the u.s with volkswagen yes however it does hit the target market of what people want, which is an SUV or a pickup. Yeah. What we haven't actually mentioned is the word electric. It's an electric SUV and an electric pickup, by the way. But y- yes, I think it does. And it's it's suitably distanced from the image of Volkswagen as well, it, which actually makes it quite clever. Yeah. It is a non-Volkswagen. Because still the Senate are pulling Volkswagen in and are asking them questions they don't ask their own manufacturers. Not Dieselgate, because the latest one was um, using... It's creating software with people from China Mm. who or companies with China that were associated with um, certain genocide practices out in parts of China. Oh, lovely. Uh, But no questions similar have been asked of anyone else. So there is still the boot going into Volkswagen, which uh, as it I could say, be strongly it, argued. They are just going to have to suck it up and put up with because they did what they did. Mm. Uh, they, it's easy and it's easy money and easy points for politicians yep. uh, in the US and it's all showboating. Uh, but yes, you're quite right. They have to suck it up because they did it. Mm. It's that simple. Uh, worth mentioning, by the way, that obviously ob- but that obviously the uh, obvious rivals for this for Scout include uh, include Rivian uh, with their R1T and R1S mm-hmm. uh, pickup trucks and uh, SUV based uh, ideas. There was something I was going to say about Dieselgate when you brought it up there. Oh, the Fiat that's based off the off the Suzuki S Cross is the Fiat Sidici. Ah, okay. I remembered when one pulled out in front of me the other day, going slower than I was, uh, but still managing a huge plume of black smoke. Uh, and I thought, oh, that'll be it then. <laughs> not not a joke. And it was Italian registered. 
Yeah, not a joke, by the way. That was genuinely happened to me on Saturday. Andrew, electric e-scooters. Before the break, e-scooters. Yes. Confirmation that the government is going to legalise e-scooters for private owners and that they will be allowed on the public roads, highways and byways. However, this is not going to happen in the next few weeks. The government is still really working through what are they going to do to make it legal because they have said and made it very clear that safety is at the heart, and I'm quoting there, of any of the planned new rules. And part of this, that things that they are considering is training, a mandatory training. You will get tested. There's things about the the scooters themselves being what regulated. What can we charge you for before we'll let you do this? Yes, but also is that such a bad thing if people are tested and um and it will be mandated that they're wearing safety equipment which will be a helmet this Um, is a toughie here because they're essentially allowing a new vehicle class which hasn't been allowed before yeah and they've got to be careful that they're not too broad or too narrow in defining the class because if you're too broad then every kid on a hoverboard is suddenly a legal road a road legal vehicle Mm -hmm. (laughs) um they do have to be very careful here. You know, as a result, actually testing people and making sure they are fit to use them is a good way of, of making sure that you don't get every nine-year-old mm-hmm. uh, and their younger younger brother going on, uh, you know, going on them at the same time. Age is one of the things they're focusing on as well. Yeah, well that, that's so I imagine that will probably be like 16-year-olds again. 14. Uh, they're talking about 14. I don't know. I'm just assuming 14. That just seems a more sensible age. But if they allow mopeds at 16, that's what I was think. That's why I was thinking 16. Yeah, but this isn't quite a moped, is it? But it's on the road. Mm, okay, I'll give you that. Is 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 sort of where I'm coming at it from. But you say there about not making it too narrow or too wide as well, and that ties in with another thing that the government have said, and that they must be accessible to all. Now that made me chuckle. Yes, it's going to be difficult with a wheelchair, isn't it? Well, it, there's mobility. Are they now going to legislate mobility scooters? Oh, as in the the people to get around? Do, do you mean the one that, like the one that just about ran over my feet with a mardy looking lady on earlier on? Today? Yeah, uh, do they are, are they brought into that suddenly because it's Flipping battery? Hope so it's similar performance. Yeah. You, you know, it's all these other as, things that come in. I mean, uh, just as flipping dangerous on the pavement, and also need to be appreciative of being on the road because we've got a couple around here that just drive mm. on the road, which is understandable because some of our pavements are awful and like they have cambers that are steeper than cliffs. <laughs> and you just, I can understand why the people don't want to be on them. I really do. These are, the, I mean, this is why it's not a simple. Oh yeah, just those. It's not just the the two wheel scooters that we see in the rental thing. I, okay, I you see, I I absolutely hadn't considered that, and that's what I was meaning about you know it not being too too wide and it's not, it not being too late, uh, too too narrow. Uh, somebody has uh, one of our listeners has, has commented that the rules don't matter. It's who's going to pick up all the bodies. You may very well say that we couldn't possibly comment. Yes. Well, I think we have finally got to the end of the first part. <laughs> I think we've made up for last week is what we've been doing. Yes. That's what it feels like. Yes. What's, it is guilt minute because there is a certain level of guilt in there. But first, a small announcement. 
Uh, Move Conference about the future of mobility will be taking place in London on Wednesday and Thursday, the 15th and 16th of June. The combined conference and exhibition will cover all sorts of topics that we love to talk about on the Motoring Podcast, including electric cars, autonomous cars, security, regulation and liability, future fuels, business models, and much, much more. We're both going to be there on the 15th. We are. Andrew will be hosting a stage. I am. <laughs> which is just, it, it's, it's hilarious, really, when you look at the details. More of those to, to, to come, uh, <laughs> I think. It'll be his turn to rewrite this message next for next week. I'm going to be hosting a panel titled, All These EV Targets, Where's the Charging Infrastructure? Uh, with Katie Black, head of the UK's Office for Zero Emissions Vehicles, Daniel Tibble, the Director of Data Science and Analytics of the connected vehicle company Weijo, and Hui Zhuang, the Vice President for Europe of EV company NEO. So, yeah, no pressure for me, the hobbyist podcaster on that one. <laughs> if you've got any questions that you would like put to them, or any topics that you would like me to cover as I host the panel, do please get in touch. Any of the contact details at the end of the show uh, will work uh, if you want to feedback on some of those. Uh, if you'd like to see that in person, uh, as well as the rest of the conference, uh, then we have a limited number of free guest passes uh, for our listeners. You can find the link to register for those, as well as the link to the entire conference schedule in this week's show notes. Uh, obviously, all the usual ways to support us remain available to you, and can be found at motoringpodcast.com. Uh, which brings me to the second part of Guilt Minute, and it's that our friend of the show, uh, Jim McGill, at uh, the also uh, on Twitter and many other places, he is currently driving a Volkswagen XL1 uh, across the USA from New York, San Francisco. At the last moment, he was recording him just over a hundred miles per gallon and was somewhere about Ohio with 2,600 and something miles still to go. The important part of all of this is that he is raising money for Alzheimer's UK. And there'll be a link in the show notes to the to his Just Giving page uh, where you can find out uh, what's happening uh, as he goes along. Uh, and also you can donate. Jim, for once, by the way, is posting YouTube videos as he goes along and telling the story as it goes. So you'll be able to find those. Uh, there'll be a link to Jim's YouTube channel. There is. Uh, there as well uh, as as well as if, if you can follow him on twitter and things like that so yes I, I think that that's us we've doubly guilted this week yes you should be really really guilty now yes i hope you've been <laughs> totally guilted out uh, a quick bit of motorsport uh, just a reminder that wrc rally portugal is on this week so keep an eye on dirtfish keep an eye on dirtfish's youtube because i think colin is back on analysis duty so there'll be his roundups each night uh, after the events uh, of the day right i think that is new new car news that's not a car this time it's a uh, new new van news uh, this week uh, so uh, just a quick one ford have have announced and unveiled their 2023 e-transit custom ev a transit size van uh, that brings about 236 miles so this is going to be yeah this is the all electric it's got a slightly different look to it version of the ford transit 
Yeah, it's the second of five uh, all-electric vehicles that Ford is going to be launching over the next little while. So there's the full-size e-transit, and then this is the e-transit custom. Ford, by the way, one of the brands really pushing for that for that EV commercial vehicles, uh, electric commercial vehicles uh, in 2030. Uh, by the way, they they are they are putting the, they are. But they are pushing and saying, if you're going to do this, which we think you should, you have to mandate the number of charges that are put across the EU as well. That makes sense across the rest of Europe, because everybody grumbled about our our charging infrastructure, and it's really not bad here in the UK. <laughs> yes, if you have to go try to- Try France. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. So yes, anyway, uh, th- there's lots about that uh, on autocar i'm sure i will come at you with more information about that uh, next week uh, when i will shall be at, at the commercial vehicle show mm-hmm. with ford well i think this is probably the most important model that ford are going to come out with oh yeah because the traditional transit custom was the best selling new vehicle uh, last year in the whole yeah beat the corsa by 25% Mm. This is mega important that they get this right, that they actually meet the needs of their customers because it's going to have a similar payload, apparently, to the internal combustion engine version as well. People will have to make some adaptations, but how many people need to go on a full tank in a transit anyway? Well, if you're doing lots of stop-start delivery stuff, 285 miles in a day is a long way. Yeah. It's not easy motorway driving. No, it's it's a mega important one, and I hope they get it right. Yep, excellent stuff, Andrew. Uh, do you want to give us a bit more details about a, a vehicle that I've I've seen uh, mm-hmm. but not been in? Yep, the Genesis GV60, which is Genesis' first a dedicated EV, which is a SUV coupe ish. It's more coupe than SUV. Yeah. Uh, it, the prices are going to start from forty-seven thousand and five pounds. It's a very exacting number. That. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, okay. Be interesting to know who Why? came up with that. Anyway, the, the, by the by, but uh, there are three three model ranges. There is the premium, which will have a two hundred and twenty-five brake horsepower rear-mounted electric motor, which will give a claim three hundred and twenty-one miles. Then you have the sport, which becomes four-wheel drive because there's a 99 brake horsepower electric motor to the front axle so that gives a total of 314 brake horsepower and a range of 292 miles and then you have the range topping sport plus and that has quite a jump to 482 brake horsepower in total (laughs) again four-wheel drive why why do you need that what's the point I don't know, but it's it, like the Volvo C40 and next C40 dual motor. It's like I'd rather have no. the mileage. I don't, I don't need four hundred, nearly five hundred. But the difference between the Sport and the Sport Plus in mileage is three miles. It's two hundred and eighty-nine miles in the Sport Plus, apparently. Yeah, still. But anyway, anyway, uh, this will have lots of uh, niceness on the inside as well as the crystal ball that you. I don't know. Do you rub to get to the drive mode you want? Uh, who knows yet? We'll have to wait till Alan can get his hands on his mitts on it. <laughs> you have to gaze into it. Find out. Uh, but uh, this is the next step of the Genesis brand and the way that they're doing something different. And they are working towards having, some, is it five 
EV onlys um, from 2025. Uh, and then uh, by 2030, they will not be selling an internal combustion engine vehicle at all anyway. It's really cool-looking thing in the flesh, by the way. It they're, is a cool They're landing thing. with a, a bang in yeah, the market. I, they are they are making a splash. I mean, this is – if anyone doesn't know what the GV60 is, it's the one that was on the hotel balconies that everybody went, oh, my God, somebody's parked a car outside my, my bedroom <laughs> in the last few weeks. <laughs> 101 ways to get coverage on a car launch. Every single one of them ticked by Genesis on that. Brilliant. So, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, d- 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 a round of applause, please, to, yeah. to Genesis for that one, for creating a stir. Did you see how long they were out there, though? They were out there for like four weeks, that team. Mm. So I think they've all had yeah. to go on enforced diets or something with not having yes. all the richest food possible. <laughs> no. I know. I, I've said before. I think some of the some some of the better launches are the ones where you handed a sandwich in a bag and told, "Oh, here you go then." <laughs> right. Do you want to uh, take us quickly to a goodbye? Yes. Yes. This old old car news. Vauxhall Insignia is no more in the UK. It has been taken off sale. Ta-da! It's going to return as an EV in twenty twenty six. I was wondering. Is it going to be an SUV? They think they they. I, I don't really. The strong I don't really indications care, I don't are care it's going anymore. to be an SUV. Why are we bothered? Everything's an SUV. No, no, no. What, what we have to worry about is what will Britain's angriest drivers get as new cars now? Uh, they'll continue to buy BMW One Series. No, because I or, or 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 they'll buy the you know the 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 the, the Mercedes uh, C classes with the bum cut off. Oh, right. You know, the, the hatchback ones. They are the worst driven vehicles in the UK. Because round, round here, insignia drivers are the angriest people on the roads. We, we don't have them around here because everybody drives a, drives an Audi or a BMW. Oh, okay. Well, you're posh where you are. Well, no, it, it's just easier to get to, to Poland and back, really. It is a fantastic long-distance cars. That's what everybody buys them for. Now, I was thinking about this earlier on, moving moving on from local demographics. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier on. Insignia must have been the last Vauxhall Opel product that's still GM-based. Because I, this platform's probably still, is it still, so, somebody in the US, please tell me, is it still sold as a Buick? Is this one, was this one not a new non-GM? But it's not based on a, how could it be? Because it's not based on uh, the same platform as the five hundred eight or anything. No, no, I know it's not. I know it's not Stellantis based. Yeah, so that's that'll be one of the reasons. To I sketch. thought this was one of their few Vauxhall Opel only. I've no idea. That's why I was asking. Hmm. Okay, it's the Insignia. It's it's not really something which has ever caught my imagination at any stage in my life. No, which is probably why they've stopped making them because it didn't really. Catch anyone's apart well, from the, the Mon- if the Mondeo's gone, then the writing was on the wall. The Insignia was going surely. Every- everybody's moved in. Everybody's moved over to to buying a Volkswagen based product, haven't they? Frankly, do oh. either mm. a Volkswagen based product or a BMW or, or a C class because it's got yep. a three pointed start or an yep. yeah. Anyway, yep. there we go. Never mind. Bye bye, Insignia. I'm not really crying to see you go. No, not at all. Right, I'm going to take us to the designer's mood board. We haven't been here for a while, but we are surprisingly back at Dacia. Good news! Mm. But, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I, know, I know where that's from, but I don't think this is. Uh, Miles Nuremberger has 
less than a year after we said he was joining Tasha, the ex-Aston Martin designer, he has stepped down from his role as design director and he's going to be replaced by his number two, David Durand. There is no indication why he's left. But if one were to perhaps have a bit of a strokey beard moment and think about this, very shortly after the head of Aston Martin is moved on, Mm. he suddenly decides, oh, I I no longer wish to work for Dacia. Yes. Maybe there is somebody has knocked, uh, given him a call and said, Possibly the reason you left us was that you didn't quite gel with our CEO. Well, he's no longer there. Can we interest you once again? <laughs> again, quite. Yes. Uh, we'll find out probably in the coming weeks. Uh, officially, by the way, he's going to pursue other professional projects. Okay. According to Car Design News, anyway. All right. Dacia are going to be doing pretty much more of the same because they've got they've appointed internally, so... I don't think we'll see anything too radical different there because his his work hadn't actually made it through yet, and that's apparently reading the autocar article uh, that I was that I was about this. That was going to be several models or several years before those models really came through anyway, mm-hmm. and those whatever touches he's put in possibly will be diluted out by then. I yeah. don't know. We shall see, but it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. Possibly back in Warwickshire. Possibly. Lunchtime read this week is an article from the MIT Technology Review entitled, It Will Soon Be Easy for Self-Driving Cars to Hide in Plain Sight. We Shouldn't Let Them. And this, which is, it's 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 a fair old read. So, and it's an interesting read. Um, yes. And it's not too tinfoil hatty, to be perfectly honest. And it ties into the UK because it ties Jack Stilgo is um, British-based. And uh, this is an article that is the result of a study he helped design and undertake with others, asking uh, UK people their thoughts on autonomous vehicles. And 75% said they would like some way of knowing that a vehicle is driving itself, which I would like as well. I'm one of those 75% because I would quite like to know if a well-known American electric vehicle brand is on driver assist mode or not because that gives me an idea of how big a berth i have to give it yes and the same with anything else to be perfectly honest i think that's yep. a, that would be a safe and sensible thing ultimately there's there's a lot of stuff about legislation or not legislation but case law about robots and human interactions and how people should be informed etc so this is really a very interesting article uh, obviously, because we, we wouldn't recommend it to you, but we, I'm really strongly <laughs> suggesting that you do read this because it it comes at it from and mentions different things that we possibly wouldn't have thought about because we're only ta- we're only thinking about the car on the road, but there are g- bigger societal issues that need to be thought about as well. No, it's it's good. It's well worth. It is well worth reading. Uh, he hasn't just told you the entire article. It's close, but not quite. <laughs> Right, I'll take us to list of the week. Yeah. And last year, Autocar had their award ceremony for 2022. Now, this is a slideshow of 31 slides. Alan, is there one car or company or person that stood out amongst all the things that happened 
that you went, ooh, that's interesting, or I'm I'm glad that that won, or they won, or whatever. Uh, what amazed me and impressed me about most of this list was that many of the awards went to vehicles that you can, I was going to say you can actually buy, which have actually been launched. Let's let's not overword it, uh, which was nice because that doesn't always happen no, with magazine I- award <laughs> ceremonies, and it's a bit irky. <laughs> I do like the ones where they say, and the awards for 20-whatever year for this car that will be out in, in December. Three, it's, yeah, <laughs> quite. Yeah, it's and it's January when they announce it. <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's, there's so many good things in there. I'm going to try and avoid the obvious, mostly because I'm very bitter that I'm not going to be at launch next week because work. And I'm going to choose the Hyundai i20N, the best affordable driver's car. It is obviously closest to my daily it it's a cracking little thing it is i like it an awful lot it is really very very good the mm-hmm. reviews is, it is not hype it is one of those cars that it's not hype it is very very good and i would choose it over the gir Ooh. okay, okay. but more on that coming up in future podcast <laughs> My one, because there are the many awards were announced, my one is the Innovation Award, and that went to Caffeine and Machine for what they have created in their motoring-related destination. We sound a bit pretentious, but there's no better word for it, really. Because it's there? not just the CAF. They no. have events there that people... It, it's like there's no judgment. It's everybody brings whatever you want, and... That's cool because we can all just enjoy it and appreciate that you like that thing and you like that thing and that's awesome. As long as you're not an idiot, you're welcome. I like the if there's a space at the front, you can park your car there. It's not Mm. generally, unless there's something particularly special on, a particular theme, which is unusual, less usual than you might think, then if you rock up and there's a space out the front, you can park your car there. Mm. Just remember to reverse it in, that's all. Cool. Excellent. Well deserved. I think it was a great crop of winners there across all the different uh, categories as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard to pick one. Mm. Do you want to take us to the end finally? Yes. Uh, One from Haggerty, because there always has to be an Haggerty article these days. Just seems to be the way the world works. I think we need to have a conversation about them sponsoring the show soon. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Only we knew people who worked there. Yes, if only. It's about models. And it's about one to 24 scale ones created by a chap called Martin Aviard. And they are quite amazing. Yes. Uh, really. He, he doesn't sell them. One to 24 is not a regular scale that you can go out and buy. Normally it's sort of one eighteenth or 164 for Hot Wheels type sizes and stuff. He builds his own models basic scratch builds them and they're sort of a vehicle plus a bit so they're mm. not so i mean the, the top picture here is a kuntak with twin turbos or at least the two are visible anyway uh hanging out the back and sort of retro mod style wheels and stuff and posed in a 124th scale petrol station and it's just gorgeous and his f40 derived one and the mx5 
RC that's been sort of jacked up with a roof tray and wheels. It just that just screams Tom Wookie Ford. It does one. scream Tom Ford. They're <laughs> not especially all, with the light bar, <laughs> but they're just it's amazing. Beautiful. You would, you would think that some this would a lot of them were just uh, that was an actual car well, that the, has been photographed. The, there's there's the Kuntach LP. 400 someone will tell me i've got the wrong but an early contact anyway photographed with the doors and the the and it just looks gorgeous i mean he three he he creates them it's kind of cool he sort of creates them partly creates them digitally and then prints off the you know and then uses additive manufacturing uh, to create much of it and then finishes them beautifully and everything because you you just can't get that scale so everything has to be created mm. by whichever method and they are gorgeous and he he doesn't sell them it's his hobby it's, and they are amazing the pictures are amazing so go read the article look at the amazing pictures and then follow them on instagram because they they are absolutely uh, I, the photography is stunning yes i, I need As to well. follow the whole them. thing is stunning from the conception to the execution and what we get to see it's yeah. amazing. I At, wish I had a, a microcosm of that talent. <laughs> yeah, it's at Stoke Models, all one word on on Instagram. Yep. Just brilliant. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Have you seen the Volvo down the bottom? Uh, right down the bottom I'm above Haggerty protects all kinds of collectors. Then hit the right arrow. There's a little uh, slideshow. Oh, oh, that's a slideshow. I didn't realize that was a slide. Oh, goodness, yes, with the IKEA. <laughs> oh yeah so there's humor in there as well it's it it just i cannot i cannot do it justice in my words you have to click through on this article make sure you go to the slideshow at the bottom i I didn't realize that was a slideshow that just makes it even better stroke worse gorgeous (laughs) gorgeous stuff gorgeous stuff uh that's us for this week but oh no parish notes uh pardon me yaris cross special edition came out last friday if you use apple if you use google podcasts on android then just go to our site at motoringpodcast.com and stream it from there i'm afraid or use a different podcast player don't know why it's playing up uh, don't forget about the move conference linkies in the show notes uh, if you work for the public sector it's free anyway by the way next monday oh next week we'll be recording next monday because i'm doing podcast stuff on the tuesday night or eating dinner as it's also known so so yeah i'll be i'll be doing podcast stuff hard at work that day early next week lots of that at the minute we're really sorry it's just the confluence of life and work and everything ah yeah yeah Uh, maybe from the summer onwards this will calm down a bit yes we'll get into a new rhythm yes promise promise but we're trying to keep the old ones close as we can at the minute because that's what's important um, in actually getting everything done yep. anyway enough waffle don't forget everyone that between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts for the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities remember you can support us financially via patreon and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Windscreen, you can find me there. And Alan, if people like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? And Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. Uh, please don't forget, everyone, about uh, about questions and comments for the Move Conference. 
if you've mm-hmm. got anything. How do you spell your name, Alan? Oh, what did annoyed. I forget? Oh, no. Right, at AJP Bradley, that's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. There you go. Get, get happy now. We'll be back soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley, spelt in the usual fashion. <laughs> I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs> <laughs>